This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and Katie Balls. So, a few days after she announced that she would be resigning as an MP, Nadine Doris has just now said that she would not actually be standing down just yet. Katie, what's going on? Yes, it's a great source of intrigue because, of course, Nadine Doris was the first of the three to say that she was quitting the Commons uh, with immediate effect. But that definition is not what one would... I think, naturally see as immediate. And you've had both Nigel Adams and Boris Johnson go through the process of um, officially resigning, as we talked about yesterday. Nadine Doris has yet to do that, so it's been a source of intrigue for a few days. I spoke to some figures in government last night and this you know what what is going on here is it that Nadine Doris is going to almost play a game of chicken with the government which is you know how how annoying can I be to you in the house of commons until you give me my peerage or (laughs) and that is one theory however sources and friends of Nadine Doris this morning said that ultimately she will do it just not yet, and she doesn't want to make it easy for Rishi Sunak and his team to decide when they want to have these by-elections. The idea of being free by-elections might help Rishi Sunak if they're all on the same day, so it's better if she spreads out the pain and intentionally initiates this later down the line so you could have a by-election in mid-Bedfordshire just before the Tory conference. So I think we're looking at this long war of attrition um, and a question of, of when she really moves. Given that Doris has changed her strategy a few times, I don't think we can necessarily say it will be pre-Tory conference. I think it is getting a little bit comical at this point. The question is, is it good or bad for Rishi Sunak if this by-election in all seriousness, at a different point. I suppose the problem for Rishi Sunak is it means it keeps hanging over them. And when you speak to ministers, they are very keen to, you know, bring this period to a close, the Boris Johnson era in a sense, by just getting these out the way, saying it's bad, um, you know, tricky circumstances, and then trying to move forward. So having a by-election hanging over you that you can't pick is clearly a problem on that. I think Doris is going to find herself pretty unpopular with her former party colleagues for doing this because it's hard to say you're doing it for any other reason than to be a thorn in Rishi Sunak's side. It also gives the Tories more time to campaign and the Lib Dems, that's the seat they're trying to overturn. But to most voters in mid-Bedfordshire, I imagine this is going to turn you off in the sense of Tory chaos, Mm. generally. I don't know if people are really going to define what Rishi Sunak is doing versus Nadine Doris, so it may well help the Lib Dems. So it's not that Nadine Doris has changed her mind about resigning as an MP now that she thinks that Boris Johnson maybe wasn't completely truthful with her about the peerage, that she might as well be in the Commons if she's not going to be in the Lords. It's not that. No, but I do think it adds to that sense, which is a lot of people quite angry on Friday and perhaps as the dust has settled and lots of different theories. And I think Nadine Doris is clearly still blaming number 10, those sinister forces uh, that we talked about yesterday. But <laughs> but it is, I think, just showing that um, perhaps in the cold light of day, these things are a bit unappetizing. And also, I think, uh, you know, working out what exactly you're going to do. So, May I ask a question? Yes. Um, <laughs> this is you, Ask Katie today. You Go can, on. You can take that out. We can cut that. <laughs> Just, Katie, what are, the, what are the Tory MPs feeling towards their colleagues at the moment? Because 
this seems like very different ways of handling a similar situation. Nigel Adams did, I think, a LinkedIn post. I'm not totally sure why he picked that platform, but he did a LinkedIn post essentially saying like, I still support the Conservative Party. I still want to see a 2024 win for the Conservative Party. It was pretty amicable as far as the resignation went. Obviously, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy about the situation with Boris Johnson, but it wasn't nasty. If you compare that to what Doris is doing, I don't know, how are, how are their colleagues feeling about this? I think the problem is Boris Johnson himself could have got away with resigning, I think, at any point, really, since he stepped down as prime minister, as an MP, because there is a precedent there. And I think no matter what you think of Boris Johnson, in term, and there's lots of views in the parliamentary party, he is someone who obviously won them an election, uh, someone who they think largely should be treated with respect and has given something to the Tory party. And therefore, if you if you don't want to stick around as an MP, such as Theresa May did, there's a way out. It's been tried and tested by former prime ministers. The problem for Boris Johnson is because he's tied now with these other two resignations, which look very spiteful and, you know, the word to me is kamikaze-esque. It means that it's now seen as, I mean, I write this in the cover piece this week which will be out tomorrow in the words of someone who used to work for Boris Johnson it looks ludicrous and therefore there is a lot of bad will towards I think them as a block at the moment and I think that if you look at Nigel Adams karma statement on LinkedIn I think there's two theories one which is again perhaps people just got very angry and there are lots of things flying around you know people are calming down about it the second could be because of the greyness in terms of the peerage procedure by which these allies of Boris Johnson think that Rishi Sunak mistook them. And actually, there was almost a sense that if they quit, they might get peerages, not understanding the technicality that once you quit and the vetting procedure is over, you'd have to do it before the vetting procedure was over. So perhaps that was why softer words try and bring number 10 back on side. But I also think, you know, the government is not completely without blame here in the sense I've had some figures who are quite sympathetic to Rishi Sunak saying, you just have to think there might have been a different way to handle this that would avoid it all three. If you look at Nigel Adams' statement, they specifically said to me, that suggests that perhaps had someone been on the phone to him, mm. you know, that reaching out process, maybe you could have at least avoided one of them. I don't think anyone really thinks Rishi Sunak could have made Nadine Doris a friend though. Kate, my turn to ask you a question because um, the very big news out today outside of this Tory psychodrama is the GDP growth figures. Tell us about that. So we got April's figures this morning, an update from the Office for National Statistics, which found that the economy grew by 0.2% in April, and that follows on from a confirmed contraction of 0.3% in March. So extremely limited growth in April, followed by a small contraction in March. This ebb and flow story of a little bit of growth, a little bit of contraction seems to be the trend in the UK at the moment. And all of the major forecasts from the Office for Budget Responsibility to the IMF to the OECD now predict that the UK will see perhaps just a little bit of growth this year. So no meaningful update in the data this morning, except that we are seeing this trend continue. And that trend is a really painful one. In the three months leading up to April, the economy grew by 0.1%. So no, unlike Germany, we haven't gone into a technical recession. But that doesn't mean that people feel better off. 
indeed they feel a lot worse off because inflation continues to eat into their real wages, etc. You know, it's interesting that we got the GDP update this week because Chancellor Jeremy Hunt spoke at a dinner for the Center for Policy Studies around their Margaret Thatcher conference earlier this week, and he talked about growth. He focused in on that, and he had, you know, some interesting stats on hand. He said that the economy's long-term trend growth is around 1.6%. That's pretty disappointing, but on top of that, he noted that public spending was going to be closer to growing by 2% a year. So every year, the projections would suggest that the size of the state is growing by roughly half a percentage more than the economy's growing. I suspect listeners uh, will be able to clock pretty quickly that that is not sustainable. Of course, Jeremy Hunt wasn't talking about cutting the spending side of the ledger. He wasn't tr- talking about rolling back the size of the state. He said we need to basically to grow the economy to pay for this bigger state that the Tory party has ushered in under Boris Johnson, under so far Rishi Sunak. But, you know, we are nowhere near that. And I think the difficult thing for the chancellor, and certainly for all of us, is that when it comes to areas where perhaps we could get growth going, especially around housing, maybe around healthcare, there's no appetite within the Tory party to talk about those things. I think it's still very unclear if there's appetite within Labour to talk about those things. So not to be terribly hopeless uh, on the podcast this morning, but quite a difficult situation to see how these growth figures improve anytime soon. And Kate, speaking of pain and housing, something else has been bubbling behind the scenes is a rapid increase in mortgage rates. There's something that I, as a potential first-time buyer, have been looking at with fear. But there's no less trust this time, so what the hell is going on? Uh, you're not alone, Cindy, in, in looking at that f- those figures. I think a lot of people are. Santander this week became the latest major bank to temporarily pull some of its mortgage offers. This follows along from HSBC, which has done the same thing. And that's because the expectation around interest rates continues to go up. This is primarily because data around wages was particularly strong in our last update. The Bank of England, personally, I think wrongly, continues to fear a wage price spiral. They think that those higher wages are going to push inflation up more. What is certainly the case is that inflation is not coming down as quickly as the bank or virtually anybody else thought it would. Core inflation, last month we discovered, was actually rising. This is really worrying stuff. This suggests it's all getting baked into the system. I think we get our next inflation update next week. Again, that would be really interesting interesting to see where we're at. But as all of this is happening, the expectation is now that interest rates could actually peak closer to 6%. We're at 4.5% now. That has a natural knock-on effect on mortgage rates. Banks think that the interest rate is going to keep going up, so they're pulling these offers, adding to the messiness that, that already exists. Why is this happening without Liz Truss? Well, trying to get inflation under control, which was always going to be a challenge, does you know usually require higher interest rates. I think the major difference this time is that last time, a fiscal announcement from the government, from politicians, sparked expectations around much higher interest rates, which led borrowing costs for the government to start surging. And we didn't know where that was going to end. We didn't know where that was going to peak. Then we discovered these landmines underneath the UK economy, the LDI pensions and all the rest of it that felt like it could become rather disastrous. This time around, interest rates are expected to go up because the Bank of England is making a choice to be more aggressive towards inflation. I personally think this was always an inevitability and the bank's been in denial for a long time, causing us more pain. The truth is that a lot of this comes down to similar consequences, you know, for first-time buyers such as yourself, Cindy, for people with mortgages, for people with any kind of debt, all the rest of it. But I think they've fundamentally been triggered by different things. And because things are looking pretty bleak in terms of uh, mortgage offers, the fact that lots of people will end up renewing close to an election if it's held in autumn 2024, there is a rumour 
going around uh, in some papers and talked of by the odd MP, uh, which is, could Rishi Sunak decide to have an election this October to try and just get it out of the way ahead of more pain? I would be very surprised if that were to happen. Happy to be proven wrong, but I think that is pretty unlikely. Um, Katie, is that because that would be too short notice is why you think it would be unlikely? I mean, there's many reasons, Cindy. How long have you got on this podcast? I think... Rapidly running out of time. <laughs> yeah, this is supposed to be a short express podcast. Well, I think the biggest one is, look at the polls. Look at the fact oh, okay. that we spent the past week talking about free by-elections and how painful they're going to be. And then tell me that anyone in Downing Street is seriously thinking this is a good time to actively choose to go early and have all the seats up for grabs. That makes a lot of sense. Katie and Kate, thanks so much. And thank you so much for listening at home. If you enjoyed this podcast, do rate and review and tell a friend about it.